Welcome to the number one show and the source of truth for all things medtech. Here, we reveal the secrets and stories behind the investments, science, and commercialization of the medtech industry. Every week, we'll take you on a wild ride with the biggest names in the game, from entrepreneurs and investors who are shaking up the market, to healthcare providers who are revolutionizing the way we think and practice medicine. So hold on tight and get ready for a journey like no other. This is the State of MedTech. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. And uh, I have a very interesting update. Uh, you know, I just came back from the Avimed MedTechCon or MedTech Conference. Really important organization that I think a lot of people in the industry don't know about unless you're, you know, in the C-suite or higher up. Um, so got some learnings from that, specifically from the keynote, which in my opinion uh, was pretty impressive that they pulled this together and, you know, maybe arguably the most powerful people in our industry, which is Ashley McElvoy, who's the uh, world chairman for uh, Johnson Johnson's MedTech division, Kevin Lobo, CEO of Stryker, and uh, Jeff Martha, CEO of Medtronic. So, you know, I'll, I, you might be able to say like about a half a trillion uh, worth of rep market cap representation all in one stage. So I'm going to get to that in a moment. Just as a reminder, just a big shout out to my sponsors. So number one is for Clary. Clary is a revenue intelligence platform. If you own Salesforce and you're using it, um, we all had an idea about how Salesforce works. Um, and then when you invest in it, you realize it's not the same way. You have reps who have issues uploading and keeping data clean. Marketing is always confused every quarter because you know, data is all over the place. When you invest in Clary, you essentially invest in protecting and, and unlocking um, the value of your Salesforce uh, CRM. You know, and essentially what they do is they automate data entry getting into, the, into Salesforce, and then they use predictive analytics to give you predictable revenue. Right? So you can look at your pipeline and start predicting what's going to close within a quarter or two, even longer, and more importantly, guiding your sales team on terms of what activities they should be focused on. And other, one other shout out to our sponsor, the uh, tool that I really love is Alpha Sophia. So Alpha Sophia is essentially a database uh, with surgeon procedural volume, prescription, uh, prescribing behaviors, all those different things when it comes to targeting the right clinician, whether it's a surgeon, primary care physician, a nurse, et cetera, right? The problem with these databases is that they're usually very clunky, hard to use for a sales, sales rep, and more you know, more importantly, extremely expensive. Well, the best part about Alphasophia is that they're designed for early adopters, meaning that if you have a product launch coming up or maybe you're a startup and you're trying to find the right adopter for your technology, this is the platform for you. It only costs $300 a month, which is amazing. And just for the uh, people on this audience, you can use their platform and get three free searches, meaning that whether it's a territory or a surgeon, they're gonna give you three free uh, reports uh, as a compliment to being, you know, to being part of the program. So just go to alphasophia.com forward slash Omar. That's A-L-P-H-A-S-O-P-H-I-A.com forward slash Omar to learn more. Now let's get into what we came out of AdMed with. So first of all, I want to uh, explain what is AdMed. AdMed stands for Advanced Medical Technology Association. And essentially, it's a leading trade association in the United States representing the manufacturers of medical devices, diagnostic products, and digital health technology. Okay, Their membership uh, includes med tech companies ranging from the largest, like the Strikers, Medtronics of the World, and J&Js, to the smallest med tech innovators and companies. So they had 
a medtech innovator there and a lot of startups pitching and sharing. And collectively, they produce about 90% of healthcare technology purchased annually in the United States and more than 40% purchased annually around the world. So they represent a large, a large part of the industry. What does AdvaMed do? Uh, five specific things. Advocacy, policy development, promotion of ethical standards, education and networking, and research and data. So I've been very familiar with them, um, but I just never attended a, a show. And they are, you know, you know, they had their annual MedTech Con here in Southern California. Um, I decided to take a day to attend. I wish I could attend the whole thing personally, but I did a bad job scheduling uh, my week. And so I was only able to attend that uh, one day, which was a great day. Um, a lot of really good uh, programs, you know, so just looking at the program in general, and again, I want to uh, talk about it first before we get into the keynote takeaways. There's some really interesting takeaways in some areas that, you know, I want to sort of uh, maybe not critique, but kind of dive into a little bit. But in terms of the program, you know, they had a lot of great sessions um, on quality, uh, regulatory pathways. They did one session um, where they had some people from private equity and the legal side to talk about the valuation of med tech companies. I'll get into that in a moment. Really great, pro great program. I believe next year they're holding it in Toronto. So I'm actually going to uh, try and be better about scheduling and make sure that I'm there. Yep, here we go. October 15th to 17th next year is going to be in Toronto, Canada. If you want to register and find out more, go to themedtechconference.com. So let's get into the keynote. So the keynote, uh, as mentioned, was Ashley McAvoy, chairman of World, uh, Worldwide Chairman for uh, Johnson Johnson MedTech's division, Kevin Lovo, CB CEO of Stryker, and Jeff Martha, um, uh, CEO of Medtronic. And the, uh, the title was Health Tech on the Horizon, Horizon Unleashing the Power of Innovation. So with advances in technology, AI, and data analytics, the landscape of healthcare is being transformed revolutionizing patient care, disease management, and overall well-being. During the session, we'll hear from these leading CEOs on the latest innovations and trends in medtech that are reshaping the industry. Okay. So what do they talk about? Well, I'm, I, I kind of took, I took a lot of notes on this. And so I was able to divide it up into uh, five sections. Okay. And I'm going to leave uh, the last, uh, the last section, um, just because that's the one I want to dive into and kind of maybe provide a little bit of critique on my end. Uh, there was a couple of areas I disagreed with, uh, but overall, you know, I thought they had really great points. I really love what they had to say. And actually, I, I want to I, I want to walk that back a, uh, just a tiny, tiny bit. It's not that I disagree with. I think that there's more to a certain uh conclusion that they made on something, and I'll get to that in a moment. So, first part, uh, they provided a really nice global perspective on supply chain cha challenges. So global supply chain really needs to be uh, rethought. And actually, you know, let me let me put it this way. We'll call this more market dynamics and business strategy. So first of all, um, when we look at the emerging market growth in China, China was once, you know, this consistent growth factor. And now it represents like a lot of volatility due to the geopolitics and a lot of policy shifts, you know. And so uh, Ashley McAvoy, I really, really did a great job talking about this along with with Martha and, you know, Kevin Lobo. I, I don't remember who said what. They all covered covered this topic. Um, but essentially their thing is that, you know, China is a main is a main player, but we do have to come up with strategies to revise in the upcoming decade, including what can be manufactured there, right? You know, when you look at manufacturing, there's different types of devices. And so one of the things that they that they discussed 
is deciding like what do you make sure that you manufacture onshore in China for distribution there. You know, for J and J, they've had a really uh, you know big presence in the global market. Striker per Kevin Lobo, you know, said that they're they're really started to make a push in that. And there's a lot of opportunities for growth, but with China being a main player, and of course China having very specific laws and policy in, in terms of how they want you to do business in China, right? Those kind of strategies have to be thought about in terms of like, what do you decide to sell and produce and manufacture in China versus other places? Next area, you know, on the market dynamics and business strategies, supply chain challenges. So global supply chain uh, needs to be rethought based on resilience, of course, wage rates and geopolitics. You know, they mentioned that uh, the current, you know, current uh, geopolitical issues happening, you know, with the Ukraine-Russia conflict, of course, now we have Israel and Palestine. So how does that you know, what are the implications behind that? Ashley McAvoy made a really good point about the idea that you have to set up really specific systems in terms of how you second have secondary and tertiary sourcing for supply chain and manufacturers. And also to understand that, you know, as we learned from COVID, when things go wrong, like you have to have something set up for like a, a backup plan to the backup plan. Okay. Next was growth in emerging markets. So despite the challenges, um, there's a lot of potential exists in these emerging markets. You know, Kevin Lobo specifically touched on it because, you know, at least per per his, his from what he said, you know, J&J is about like five to 10 years ahead of Striker in terms of their presence in the global markets. So there's a lot of opportunities there. And so he felt there's a lot of opportunities that uh, exist when it comes to establishing uh, these technology and innovation centers. So one thing that, again, Medtronic and J&J are a little bit ahead on, uh, compared to Striker, but Striker is catching up, is setting up these technology and innovation centers. Like I think Striker set one up in Australia and uh, and somewhere else. I think in Europe. And the idea is is that you know it's very difficult to manage things from um, from a central source these days, considering how how interconnected the world is. And so the idea is that you start having these hubs when it comes to innovation, manufacturing, so on and so forth in these different countries, right? And again, I think the idea behind this is actually more of a network effects approach in terms of having this um, sort of larger web of support and these hu hubs across the world. So that way it's not just all coming out of like HQ, whatever it might be. So in Stryker's case, like Kalamazoo, okay? Um, on the future of medtech, uh, they felt that the future holds a lot of promise for more connected ecosystems. And that was kind of a theme here when it comes to the manufacturing supply chain. Um, transformative AI and digital innovations were discussed, and then also unique medtech value propositions. And again, the biggest thing about this is that big tech, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they're all moving into the industry. And so that's going to be a forcing function for getting Metric to be a little bit more creative and thinking about how we can develop better and more innovative ways of solving problems. One of those things is like supply chain. If you look at companies like Tesla and Apple, I mean, they have massive, massive strategies. I mean, these are huge supply chains that they deal with. And so for Metric to kind of to learn, like, how does Apple, you know, manage a supply chain strategy with all their different vendors and everything is something that we can learn a lot from. Uh, next thing, uh, innovation on net medtech. So there's three specific areas. One is the shift in innovation. They've all felt that there's a move from the feature and benefit to more, more or less the value provided. Uh, digital transformation, software and data played a very pivotal role in the innovative innovation process. Um, but again, like you know, a, an example of what they, they kind of covered on this is like robotics, right? You know, when we think about robotics, we just think of like an arm, but that robot is connected to a lot of digital ecosystem around it from the navigation um, to the software and so, and, and so forth. And so thinking about how those things all have an inter 
uh, their place in the hospital system. And, you know, something that I'll mention is that these hospital systems, you know, maybe 10 years ago that you could do this where you sold a high end piece of capital equipment, but then you had exclusive rights to the implants, right? Because the only way you can use that piece of capital equipment is using implants. Hospitals don't want to get locked in anymore. And so finding these ways to have a little bit more open platforms is going to be a big area of innovation. Um, rise of new technology. So aside from AI, which probably was a big buzzword for this entire meeting, you know, other is like 3D printing and robotics are really defining the new med tech area. And a lot of these companies are having to push themselves to digitize. That's why, you know, in my opinion, there's a lot of there's medical device. But more med device companies are trying to transform themselves into med tech company where essentially they're having a digital component. And then finally, when it comes to the innovation side, a uh, regulatory dynamic. So dynamics. So collaboration between med tech companies and the FDA has become more positive in their opinion. Um, the focus is now more on post-market surveillance and the use of real world evidence when it comes to driving those regulatory decisions. Uh, one thing that I did notice is that as many of you know, Europe once used to be like sort of a great hotbed for a uh, new medical device to sort of launch um, because of their regulatory standards. A lot of companies are rethinking, you know, do we in fact, you know, take our commercialization process first to Europe and then the United States, which used to be what a lot of companies did. Nowadays, you know, considering how difficult it is to go through Europe, um, a lot of companies, you know, might start considering other markets, including just saying, hey, let's just start first in the United States, which will be really interesting to see. You know, if you don't follow him already, Karndeep ba uh, Bad Sing Singhwal, uh, who is my uh, quality and regulatory expert, you know, he's he's got great content on that. He's been covering this quite a lot. I should have him back on the show. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, trends in ambulatory surgery centers. So, you know, they covered how... The one thing that came out of COVID is this idea of personalized medicine and, and, and more importantly, that people don't want to go to a massive hospital to get treated. It's, it's really nice to be able to drive into a small ambulatory surgery center or something in a strip mall, park your car, get off, walk in, walk out and be done in the same day. Um, the big shift to ASCs, you know, they, they mentioned that, uh, and Kevin Lobo specifically said this, that even a lot of surgeons in Europe are starting to ask them about recommendations for ASCs for them to come and shadow and visit in the United States. So ASCs, while we know it's transforming the uh, landscape of healthcare here in the U.S., we see a lot of uh, a lot of transformation or influence of the ASC model here in the U.S. having uh, that influence on a global healthcare delivery uh, side. Uh, one example uh, was like cataract surgery was kind of an early adopter of ASCs. More procedures are going to follow suit, and I definitely agree with that. You know, again. Um, you know, aside from the inconvenience, there are huge costs. You know, I think depending on what procedure it is, sometimes some procedures can be two or sometimes even three times more costly in a large hospital system versus an ASC setting. And so, you know, I think one of the interesting themes here, if you look at, you know, a really macro view of everything that's going on from supply chain to innovation to even talented sourcing is like, decentralizing things and you cannot have like a central source including healthcare delivery system it can't, it can't just be the you know this huge hospital anymore it has to be ascs it has to be even in in-home uh, uh deliveries systems um so as mentioned you know they the the there's a global perspective on ascs where it's no longer a, a u.s centric trend uh some countries that mentioned were uh switzerland germany and then uk they're starting to explore asc models which i find really interesting i don't know much about the uh 
uh, healthcare landscape in Switzerland, but in Germany and I think in the UK, you know, they have more of a socialized system, um, you know, more of a, 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 govern, a government-run uh, healthcare insurance uh, system. And so seeing how, you know, an ASC model is going to work is going to be very interesting. Um, and they at least felt that emerging markets might, you know, actually initiate healthcare with a mix of tertiary care centers and ASCs. And then finally, on the ASC side, the financial aspects and business model. So surgeons often do co-own ASCs and different models exist with some involving uh, private equity firms. And there were uh, plenty of private equity people at this conference. Um, and so the idea is, as you see uh, different healthcare delivery uh, vehicles being developed, you know, globally, the people who back and own these things are also is also going to be very interesting. It's not just going to be doctor owned. It's not just going to be government owned. It'll be a mix of these kind of things, including with uh, private equity. Um, and now finally, uh, the area that I wanted to cover, and I so I mentioned five. It's actually four areas. So working culture recruitment. This is this is the area that I want to uh, cover on a little bit. Um, and actually, so there's four areas that cover the fifth one, which is I'm adding to it, will be sales and marketing. Um, but on the working culture side, they 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 talked about the importance of adopt uh, adapting to the new generation. So they, you know, Ashley McAvoy uh, really hit on this uh, specifically, which is that you know younger generations value uh, like good good work environments with with autonomy. Uh, sort of an equal equal balance uh, in terms of uh, work life balance, and that you know there's more interest in experiences than just titles, right? And companies need to adjust these preferences and styles. On the talent and retention side and recruitment side, you know, uh, med tech companies are still trying to retain top talent, and they want to make sure that they don't migrate and leave to tech giants. This is the area that I I want to push back on is that you know uh, all three felt that. The company's uh, purpose and story can be significant selling points, including the fact that you're working in healthcare and helping patients. That's not enough. And I, I hate to say this because like, I've, I'm seeing more and more talent, whether it's in sales or marketing side or product and engineering side, going to big tech. And to be quite frank, and this is part of the reason why I started my company, at least to tackle the, you know, I would say my main company could even go is tackling the sales and marketing side, state of med tech. We're trying to tackle all of it, which is if you look at it from, you know, either the sales or marketing side or even the engineering side as a whole, and I hate to say this because I, this is my industry, a lot of the talent that we see is, is kind of scraping the bottom of the talent barrel. You know, when we look at the SaaS and tech side, um, the um, sophistication and just in their sales process, um, it, it, it's, it, you can't hold a candle to it for our industry. Right. And that's something that we have to consider changing. This is why personally I've partnered with companies like Clary, for example. Uh, I, I talk about Alpha Sophia is because we, we need to, you know, make our, our, the way we do business a little bit more sophisticated and to rely on this idea that, Hey, we're, we're, we're in med tech, we're saving lives and everything. It's a great story. It's not enough to move the needle because people are still leaving to go work for big tech. Um, part of it is compensation. Of course, companies, there's only so much you can do, do about compensation, right? But I think that it's a, it, it's a multifaceted thing, right? Um, you know, if you look at um, some of the uh, companies that Elon Musk runs, you know, let's say Tesla, for example, um, they, they, they recruit and retain talent really well. And it's extremely intense work environment. I'm not saying that MedTech needs to be like that, but I think there's ways that we need to make uh, what we do better so that people take a lot of pride in their work, uh, make better money, 
you know, and maybe that's a conversation that we also have to consider having, which is, are, is, are, are we paying the, the amount necessary to attract and retain top talent? Um, for me, uh, the short answer that I would say is no. Um, and again, while our industry offers this really unique value prop, um, it's not enough by itself. Uh, you know, people, people want fulfillment in their work. Uh, but it's not enough to have like, I don't know, cool work environments and company retreats. I think part of it is that people want to know is that they're working for a really cool company and it needs to feel cutting edge from the sales and marketing aspect to even the way the company brands itself. You know, um, are these large medtech companies have really old, outdated social media policies? I know for a fact that across the board for some of these larger strategics, and I know this because I have unnamed sources inside each of them that I was able to get a hold of that they've seen an increase in social media activities, uh, activity from their employees, like in double digits, like, you know, I think, uh, both Stryker and Medtronic saw an increase in, in social media activity from employees, something like 15 or 20% this pa uh, this last year. Right. But they haven't adjusted their policies to accommodate and more importantly, encourage employees as to, Hey, like, here's how you can promote our company and what we do and, you know, so on and so forth online. Right. And it's still kind of like, you know, a case by case uh, example. And as an industry, I think we need to get better about that because that's the, our number one marketing tool to show the great work that we're doing this industry. You know, the very, the very last thing, at least on the, on the work, work culture recruitment is they talked about the challenges of diversity and inclusion. So diversity, all of them felt specific. And Jeff Martha really, you know, hit on this specifically is that yes, dive, you know, um, focusing on having a diverse workforce and everything is the right thing to do and everything, but not make no mistake about it. It is a business strategy and it's essential for better, better results and a fulfilling work environment. And so they're implementing a lot of different measures to uh, hire and promote uh, a more diverse workforce. Um, and, and, you know, even Kevin Lobo said like striker striker did better on their, on their numbers for diversity than they, than he, than they originally expected. But they're very competitive about it and they want to push that even higher and they want to focus on it, which is all this is good, right? Um, that being said, my biggest thing is, you know, I think the big, you know, I think everything we're doing as an industry is correct. But for me, I like to look at a root cause. I like to do root, root cause analysis because I think with all of these different topics I just covered, you can do some, you can do some analysis and say, okay, like, What's the number one dom? What's the big domino here? Like, what's the one thing that if we take care of, all of these other things will take care of themselves? And again, I'm going to review the four areas that we talked about work culture and recruitment, innovation and med tech, market dynamics and business strategy. And then finally, you know, trends in ambulatory surgery centers, which maybe you can put under market dynamics. Okay. If we find, if we, if we solve the problem of hiring and retaining top talent, okay, we will solve this problem. And unfortunately, we're losing those talent wars, my friends. We're losing them. Look, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some great examples, okay, of really big names, pe you know, people who used to be in our industry. We all know, and, and you know, eventually became, you know, he became a solopreneur. Everybody knows and is familiar with Justin, Justin Welsh, right? So Justin Welsh, um, believe it or not, you know, so really well-known solopreneur. He's he's kind of owned the category of solopreneurship. Before that, he was in SaaS. Right, did some great work at Zocdoc and also at a Patient Pop. You know where he started his career at Stryker. He was a rep. Lost that guy. 
extreme, extremely good talent. Who knows what kind of impact that guy would have had had he stayed in devices. Another person, my good friend, you know, uh, somebody who, who I've become very close to over the past year, Chris Walker. Chris Walker, who runs Refine Labs. And by the way, I think it's a good thing that he he started his own agency because now he's 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 redefined demand gen. He's he's owning this category of revenue R and D and teaching companies how to be a lot more scientific about revenue, right? But he was in the med device world, got frustrated and left. And you know, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We all. Everybody is aware of the great work that Refine Labs does, right? Who's going to be the first med device company to really use Refine Labs? They've worked with over, I think, 10 or 15 of the top 100 SaaS companies in terms of demand generation, you know, developing great creative and great strategies to grow and drive revenue in pipeline. Who's going to be the first med device company to use them, right? You know, so I say this all because this all, all these decisions that haven't happened right? In terms of who we retain for talent, how do we do the things, all these, it goes down to one thing. If we do a better job as an industry, making our industry exciting, engaging, fulfilling, and a place where you can make good money, you can make great money in this industry. You know, I don't think, you know, granted, because we're dealing with, with healthcare, it's, you know, it, ex it healthcare sits in a different part of the mind for people. You know, it's not like a consumer thing like Coca-Cola or something. So I know we have to be careful. There's a PR a uh, 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 filter we have to put on this. But by all means, we should show that, hey, if you dedicate yourself to this industry, you work hard, it will reward you back. You can make a lot of money. You can do all these things, right? And know that you did something extremely fulfilling that's great for, for, for society. I don't know if society's any better, you know, for, for another social media platform. Probably not, okay? But, you know, the uh, when I was at this uh, event, you know, uh, who was it? Abbott. Abbott had a patient story, right? This gentleman who's in his 40s was diagnosed with Parkinson's, life destroyed. Abbott's uh, uh, deep brain stimulation device, uh, they, they did DBS on him. He's got normal life now, right? Why aren't we doing, you know, and, 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 and the, way, the way I think about this, why, why did I have to go to AdvaMed and randomly go into a, a session to learn about this patient story. Why aren't we finding ways to spend money, you know, invest in creative and push those stories out? Why isn't every rep from Abbott DBS demanding and getting content just for this patient story and sharing that like through their LinkedIn, Instagram, I don't care, right? So again, the forcing function here to improve all these areas of medtech. And by the way, uh, I'll make a comment on this. It's essentially, you know, uh, valuations for, for medtech companies across the board from large medtech, uh, large cap medtech companies and small to mid, mid cap medtech companies is down uh, significantly. Um, specifically diabetes, uh, such as I'm reading the uh, stock tickers, tandem down 39%, uh, mainly due to GLP-1 uh, concerns. That's... Um, uh, uh, that GLP is GLP one is is a, is a pharmaceutical drug for for weight loss, but part of it is that there's a lot of issues when, when it comes to innovation. And Ernst and Young even published a report on this about why medtech is facing these things. Again, there's these are multi multi multivariate problems. But if you look at what's like what's the one domino, what's the one lever that we can pull to solve for this? It's talent. And whether you look at it from the sales standpoint, the marketing standpoint, the product and engineering, if you take it as a whole and compare it to big tech and data and all these other industries, 
it's kind of scraping the bottom of the talent barrel, my friends. I hate to say it, you know, it's and it's really true. And I mean, look, on that side, I'll kind of end with this. Um, the area that I can speak very specifically to is sales and marketing. We talk about innovation across across all these every all these things. I haven't heard I haven't heard anybody talk about say aside from me talking about sales innovation. You know, innovation in sales model, right? Marketing innovation, right? How do we get better about what how we market things? You know, I joke about it all the time, but it's kind of true that most marketers in our industry are just product managers who a couple times a year do marketing as a hobby when they go to a conference. You know, so. We need to do a better job of attracting and retaining talent. I think that starts with making our, our, our companies more dynamic and an exciting place to work. The diversity and, and, and inclusion thing is being taken care of, in my opinion. You know, there's, you know that, that, that'll take care of itself. We're, we're, you know, a lot of companies are putting a lot of effort and emphasis on that. But you want to know even that, even the diversity and inclusion thing. You know how you attract a diverse workforce? Make, your, make the place that, that they work interesting, fun, hard, you know, people want to be want to feel fulfilled from their work, and also pay well, we're gonna have to have that conversation. Like if we want to compete with big tech and not lose people, granted, you, you don't have to pay people $500,000 a year like Google, but we're gonna have to figure out like, hey, we're gonna have to like narrow that gap more, right? At the end of the day, we can't keep relying on this on the story of like, oh, what we do is 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 very noble, because we deal with patient lives. Yeah, it's true. But at the end of the day, money talks, my friends, money, money talks. So my, um, my big, t you know, again, it was a great keynote. I loved everything that, that, that they, they spoke about. My, my, my big thing here, though, is that if we now analyze the, the talks and the state of, of our industry, the state of medtech, we got to solve the talent problem. I started this podcast for one, for many reasons. One of them is I want to make medtech great again, you know? And I think by making this place like our industry cool, and exciting and cutting edge. You know, we got to do some more hype, my friends. People love the hype. And especially in 2023, between the social media platforms, uh, online entertainment, everything, it's all, it's all, it's all about that hype, you know? So we got to, you know, as, as I always tell you, if we want to persuade people, you got to get first, get their attention. Our industry sucks at getting attention. We need to do a better job of getting attention. That doesn't need to be outlandish stuff. But you know we need to we need to promote what we do. We need to bring, do some exciting things. And speaking of which, speaking of which, just to kind of wrap up, the way I'm going to contribute to this is I'm going to do some things that are pretty wild. So you guys are seeing that I'm that that uh, by the time this episode has aired, I did a live stream on the state of stroke with Dr. Mohammed Taleb, and go check the state of medtech's LinkedIn page. You know what we're doing also this month? We'll be doing some live streams with some orthopedic surgeons. We're going to talk about uh, total knee, right? And they're going to talk about which products they love to use, which ones they don't like to use. We're going to we're going to do some wild stuff, okay? And so that so for me, I'm I'm constantly trying to innovate on my end in terms of the content and the and the quality content that I have. Companies need to find a way to innovate around the way they attract and more importantly retain employees. SaaS concept. SaaS concept here, okay? When you look at a software product, everybody focuses on acquisition of customers. The real key is focusing on retention and customer success because you can you can attract a bunch of people, and I think our our industry does that. They, we we do a good job of attracting people probably for out of college or right away. But you know what? Maybe we can do a lot better focusing on the success, employee success, and reducing employee churn because when they churn. 
they turn over to another industry and we lose them for good. You know, almost happened to me. I, I left the industry. I went into SaaS, but I, I personally was just, I had, I had something deep within me. My intuition just told me I had, to, I had to come back to the industry. And this is, this is kind of the, well, you know, my focus in my life's work now. Right. So those are my takeaways from Avimed. Again, if you're interested in checking it out, uh, make sure that you go to, let me pull up the website here. TheMedTechConference.com, October 15 and 17, 2024. They're going to be in Toronto. And by the way, uh, shout out to Scott Whitaker. He did a fantastic – Scott Whitaker is the, uh, the CEO of Avamed. They did a fantastic job. The entertainment they had it at uh, the House of Blues with a really cool band uh, sponsored by Hologic. Shout out to Hologic for sponsoring this. Uh, Fits and the Tantrums. So really, really well-known band. Scott, whatever it takes for Toronto – Get Drake. That should be the the, the entertainment. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know, if you're watching on Spotify or YouTube, check and you can comment below. Let me know what you thought about the episode, any ideas, things you want me to cover. If you haven't already, do me a big favor. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. It helps the show a lot. Give us five stars. Write a review. Okay, we're trying to grow the show. The more I'm able to grow the show, the more funding I get for it, the more wild stuff I get to do. Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of The State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has a executive that you'd like to be on the show or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at katibandco.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.